Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who is known to be, well, he's one of the lonesome kind. Here's my co-host <laughs> from the Love Coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean. And I mean that in the deepest of respects. All right. For the episode, we have a special guest. He's a referral from Ruben Bedez from our episode on George Harrison's album, All Things Must Pass, which, you know, Wayne took a knee for. Um, <laughs> our guest's most recent record is called Lonesome Kind. Please welcome to the podcast, D.L. Rossi. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having it me. Is, it is Rossi, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Rossi. I, I meant to ask you before. and um, It's like the Italian Smith. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. Perfect. I've known to slaughter the even the easiest of last names. So I am. I'm the same. I'm the same. Okay. All right. Uh, premise of our podcast: fairly simple. We talk about music, but um, as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all important question. Wayne, I'm going to start with you. What T-shirt are you wearing? Oh, it's a parody it. of a band that was big at the time. It's uh, a Johnny Cupcakes. Uh, rip off of uh, My Chemical Romance. It's my my cupcake romance, and it's three cheers for sweet desserts. Love, Love it. it. Love it. All right. Yeah. I've I've worn the uh, Johnny Cupcake shirt that you gave me a few times on the podcast, so <laughs> I knew it was only a matter of time before you pulled out yours. So very cool. Very <laughs> cool. All right, DL. How about you? What T-shirt are you wearing? Um, I'm just wearing kind of a normal Dunder Mifflin uh, paper company shirt, but um, last month. Uh, my girlfriend and I went out actually to Scranton to see the actual town and hang out at like Poor Richards and all the spots. Okay. And uh, that was fun. It was like a interesting experience to actually see the real space compared to what you see on TV on the office. So, yeah. I've so that the the outside of it though is filmed in LA though, right? Yeah. So the building was uh, shot in LA, and we found out we listened to a, a podcast. Um, by uh, the guy that plays Kevin. He yeah. Did it. We listened to that on the way back, and uh, Brian Bumgarner, if yep. I'm not killing his name. Um, and I, I didn't realize that, you know, like the intro video, like shots of the actual town? Mm -hmm. That was actually John Krasinski went there when he got oh. the part, shot a bunch of stuff on a home video, gave it to uh, the producers of the show for free, Okay. And and he calls that his like biggest mistake is is that he <laughs> they they offered him I think it was three grand for it they're like no no we'll we'll pay you we'll pay you some money and yeah. he was like I could have just gotten residuals for that and made like so much money in syndication yeah. but I lost it but yeah so the the town that you see in the intro is actually okay. Scranton you know the little stuff I I, I only have a couple Funko Pops but one yep. of them is Kevin holding the big old pot of chili the chili. Yes, that is There's one only of the a few Funko Pops I do well. Yes, uh, that is one of the Funko Pops that I have. So fantastic! Yeah. All right, well, the T-shirt I'm wearing, I'm wearing my Jason Isbell T-shirt. I don't know how that fits in with Death Cab for Cutie at all, but um, it's good music. Yeah, that's what I was wearing today. So I, um, I just got home from uh, hanging out at the beach with a couple twelve-year-olds. We went fishing. And um, it's a good thing that we are doing this virtually instead of in the same room because I really smell like the beach right now. <laughs> By Calvin Klein. I don't you, right, and I don't even like the smell of myself right now. So um, 
I disgust myself right now. It, really, I do. All yeah. right, all right. Well, let's uh, let's let's chat. Um, let's chat new album. Actually, let's 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 chat about the the, the journey because you you mentioned that you are now in. Um, where'd you say Grand, Grand Rapids, Rapids, Michigan? Yeah, okay. Michigan. Yep. And how do you know Ruben? So I moved to Nashville. I want to say. It would have been four, a little over four years now. I moved okay. there from, I was living in Sterling Heights, Michigan, which is on the east side of the state. And um, I had been living with my brother who uh, produced my new record. He's kind of produced everything that I've done. And okay. He lives over in East Nashville, and I was just looking for a place to move. And uh, some mutual friends recommended Ruben, and I knew his music. He didn't really know me because I was new to town. Um, he knew my brother better than i did um because my brother also does like live sound and stuff like that so okay kind of well connected and um and yeah ruben actually i did a record before this one and it was the first one i did in nashville and um ruben was actually uh, he sang on that one and um like some bgvs and was kind of instrumental in helping me move in some directions with writing and so yeah and then um just literally before like the pandemic shut everything down. I was moving home just out of like, I'm just going to move back to Michigan. I miss seasons. I miss like winter and the summers in Nashville are pretty brutal for a guy like me who sweats doing absolutely nothing. Um, and, uh, and so it was just kind of like interesting. And then um, we were planning on going out to LA to work with my brother's friend, Tyler Chester, who co-produced okay. with my brother and everything shut down and we were like we don't know what we're gonna do and they found a way to basically record this new record remotely um using pro tools and a file sharing program where as soon as you record something it ships the files to the other computer that you're connected to and okay. so we were working kind of in two different places i'm guessing that happened a lot over the last year oh yeah yeah i mean it was yeah. new to my brother at the time it was the because that was like the, the that was in june of like when the pandemic hit and um it was all new to them but then by the end of it he was like oh we've, we've been doing sessions like this all the time now you know so yeah yeah what's uh what's mm. the music scene like in grand rapids is there one yeah um so grand rapids is very art friendly here they actually are in the middle yeah. of something called art prize um, that they do every year. It's a nationwide competition where uh, sculptors, painters, just physical arts in general, they it's kind of like a South by Southwest for art. They like just put it up everywhere. Local businesses hang submissions and like there's like a $2 million prize for first place and a bunch of nice. different stuff. And so there's a lot of art there. Um, a lot of good now You're music. an artist as well, right? Yeah, I just like kind of started picking that up recently. But yeah, okay. I've started doing like abstract paintings um but you know i don't know if you've ever heard of the band uh michigander um yeah. jason um he's not originally from here but is super popular uh on the west side of the state and often you know would play here he lived in kalamazoo which is just south of grand rapids for a little bit okay. um you know we there's a another band called frontier ruckus which is from lansing which isn't too far from this area so it's a very kind of like um yeah. and then obviously sufian's influence is still remains in the music scene here 
uh, a lot. I mean, but he did yeah. like the Michigan, you know, record and everybody, you know, he's, there's a lot of vibe of Sufian in the area. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very diverse, like rich um, scene. Uh, obviously not the same as Nashville in the sense of attracting as many people, but um, they've been really nice to me. I actually just played like my first kind of bigger show last night uh, at a okay. place called the Pyramid Scheme and it was fun. It was great. Good. Good. Yeah. Um, how far are you from Ann Arbor? Uh, uh, like about an hour okay. 20. An hour, probably an hour actually. Okay. I mean, yeah. Just farther west, basically. Yeah. I've been to yeah. Ann Arbor. Um, saw a Wilco show there in 2019. You know, do you remember where? Um, sh- sure. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember. Because <laughs> there's some cool, there's some cool uh, venues in Ann Arbor. They it's, have some like kind it, of. Iconic. It was like the Opera House there. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, nice. Really nice great venue. town. Yeah. Nice venue. Wonderful nice town. town too. Yeah. Yeah. Great town. Yeah. Really, en- really yeah. enjoyed the time. I've got a, uh, I've got a client um, in Troy, just outside oh, of yeah. Detroit. And so that's um, that's like literally. I lived in Rochester Hills okay. for a very long time, which is yep. right next. Detroit. Yeah. yeah. It worked out the the last time I saw them um before we stopped traveling for for clients until whenever we get back out there. Um <laughs> yeah. it just happened that uh, Wilco was playing the the night before and I'm like I'm driving the hour to go see. Oh them. yeah. So worth worth yeah. it. Yeah. For sure. Um all right, so n- new album is called Lonesome Kind. Mm-hmm. We've already talked yeah. a little bit about it. So I have to ask you, because I couldn't find lyrics um, for Don't Wait Up. Yeah. Um, there's there's some lyrics, and I wish I could I could get my Spotify to work, because I, I would listen to it in my, in my headphones. What are oh, the yeah. lyrics of Don't Wait Up for Me, Me and the Boys Are Out, and We're Listening to Something? Um, it's... Um I got a drink in my hand. The boys are back in town from Michigan, but I'm not thinking about you. I'm just listening to the band playing. Okay. And it was written um, with a, a buddy of mine, Seth, uh, who's also from Michigan, but a, a Nashville guy. And we were kind of talking about at the time um, this kind of reoccurring theme uh, in, in a lot of musicians' lives in Nashville, where you have this kind of push-pull relationship that... Uh, you want to live up to some expectation of what it means to be a rock star, but you're trying to be like a good person at the same time. And it was yeah. kind of a play on, can we make a short story about basically how a lot of people act like jerks um, and uh, actually kind of talk about that and kind of get it out there. Um, and, and like also themes of longing and, and all that. I, w- I was very inspired on this record by trying to capture kind of the idea of the short story in a song like, along the lines of I got really into Hemingway's short stories which are really really amazing in terms of like a lot of people know about the the novels and stuff like that but you know there's like a clean well-lighted place and all that stuff like those short stories and the ability to be able to paint a picture just in a very very short time but really really translate that that's what we were trying to do with that song so I gotcha it was a misheard lyric for me because because one of our recent guests is a Lakeland musician who goes by uh, Van Plating. Oh yeah, and I know. I, I know her. Yeah. Okay. And so, mm-hmm. so when I was we have listening, the same publicist. She's okay. great. Okay. 
So we I was listening to that. I'm like, did he just say Van Plating? Mm. <laughs> so, Band playing. I go, all right. Well, yeah. when you come to Florida to 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 tour down here, yeah. Tampa, Orlando, just change Use the that line instead. Yeah. Absolutely. Just She'll get a kick out of that. Yeah. yeah just change hilarious. the lyrics. She was she was on with us a couple of weeks ago and a uh, lot lot of fun. Yeah, she's uh she's playing Americana Fest right now. I think she is. Yeah. She's actually um she's actually uh, sharing a, a, a Airbnb with one of our other guests, uh, Jason Earl from the Marinade Podcast. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. so he uh, he he did some features for the new album. So oh good, uh, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I love Jason. Uh, great, uh, great podcaster. Really, really yeah, insightful. Dig, dig what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so I'm assuming "Lonesome Kind" is the 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 title song is autobiographical. Yeah, I mean it. Everything on the record, again, kind of going back to where a lot of the inspiration came from. I, I grew up listening to a lot of being heavily influenced by guys like uh, David Bazan. And okay. um, and then David Ramirez, and they're very autobiographical. Yeah. Um, on this record, I was trying to be a little bit more fictional, so I would take something, take realities from my life, but then embellish intentionally and try just to just like him tell a story. Did. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. and that that was another thing. Like I started getting into the biographies of Hemingway, and I didn't realize like especially like the sun also rises is basically just like him outing his rich friends and making yeah. fun of them in a book. I was like, wow, that's just savage. Um, but yeah, so, um, lonesome kind was definitely, uh, this kind of mixture of, uh, as I was saying before we started, uh, I grew up homeschooled evangelical, quite sheltered until later on in my life. Like in my teens is when I really started like listening to music and kind of being exposed to quote unquote, like mainstream things. Right. And, um, that record in particular is just kind of like, there's so much, uh, like purity culture and stuff like that. And then having gone through a divorce is like really, really, you know, difficult for, uh, evangelical folks to wrap their brain around a lot of times. Right. And so the song was just kind of like, uh, yeah, autobiographical in the sense of just talking about all of the ways in which that I've, you start to feel like, oh, I'm just like too damaged. I'm too like, I'm not good enough anymore. And again, kind of making, uh, making a little story about that. And, um, yeah, which, yeah, so it is, it which is we all know is BS. Yeah, it's, no, I mean, that's a big theme in the whole record yeah. is just accepting yourself and, yeah. um, not being ashamed of your story and loving your past self and, all that good stuff. Love it. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty open. I'm a therapy guy. Mm-hmm. I go to therapy. Oh yeah, Wayne. Wayne. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So therapy was like one of the best things that ever happened to me. So absolutely, absolutely, yep. mm-hmm. absolutely. So yeah. Um. All right. So anything else we want to talk about on Lonesome Kind? Um. I hope people enjoy it. This is your time to promote. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it was a labor of love. I think that um, when we recorded it, it was the first thing collectively each one of the guys that played on the record um, had ever done when we were doing the sessions. And um, I don't know if I'll ever make a record that kind of has the same amount of magic because of just like the feeling we had when we were recording together was we were in separate rooms. We were talking through iPads to each other in other rooms But we were so happy to be there every day. And um, I just, I'm very thankful for the experience of actually being able to have done it at that time because, man, we had all been locked in our houses for such a long time. I didn't know if I was ever even going to get to play music with anybody again. And and I took what I could get. So I hope that people kind of feel that when they listen to it and enjoy the music and kind of maybe feel understood. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a, um, so I listened to it on my drive back from the beach and oh, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a cool vibe. It's, yeah. it's, it's a cool vibe record. It's got a lot of chill vibes and just like relaxing kind of yeah. sit back and go for it. Yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Who's the, uh, who's the female that provides the harmonies? Um, so, uh, one, one lady is, um, Laura Jean Anderson, uh, from LA who, um, Tyler knew and she's great original artist okay and then the on songs like true uh, true blue where it's very layered and kind of nuanced that's that's the one that I really dug so that is Felicity Williams and she has worked extensively with a lot of people in the industry but uh, Bahamas is probably one of the artists that you would know that she sings bgvs on a lot and you can actually like when you hear my record if you're familiar with Bahamas you're like yeah It's very similar. Yeah. yeah. She's amazing. Okay. I was so lucky to get her to do some backgrounds on that record. Yeah. That's very cool. Was it just because it was 2020 and everybody was available? I think my brother kind of knows a lot of people. And okay. he was just like, I'm just going to email people and see if they're willing to do something. And she was available. And uh, she actually like booked time in a friend's studio to do, do everything. And Nice. It was just when we got the stuff back from her, it was just kind of this amazing wealth of amazing ideas and 
he had my brother producing it had to sift through it i just thought it all was great but he had to actually like edit things and make decisions but i thought it was just awesome so that's great um where, where is your brother also in michigan um no so nolan is in east nashville he's been there for about okay. 13 years um and he's you know like i said like produces and does live sound he's also a musician and and all that stuff so if he's east, east nashville and he probably knows like 20 of our former guests i'm sure oh yeah we, we yeah, i, I mean, feel like we've worked like checking the box okay there's another east nashville person yeah. that we've had on and, uh, yeah yeah it, it's a great town for music i mean some yeah. amazing artists especially on yeah. that side of town so yep absolutely all right well um tell us what record you chose to revisit for your episode um, I chose uh, Death Cab for Cuties Plans. Okay. What were some yeah. other records that you thought about? Um, I think I submitted Control by uh, Pedro the Lion. Um, not and not by Janet Jackson. No, no. <laughs> and then um, uh, there's an artist that I love that I know, like some people know about him and some people don't, but uh, Pete Yorn's Music for the Morning After yeah. is another album that was super big for me when i was younger it was just i didn't know who david bowie was i didn't know like what he was kind of comping in some of his music but um after that record i learned a lot about a lot of other things again being homeschooled and kind of sheltered so yeah that record i love it yeah originally so when when you gave me the the list um as soon as I saw Death Cab for Cutie, we've been wa- I've been wanting to do a Death Cab oh yeah episode for a long time, and I thought, okay, well, this is perfect perfect opportunity to get my my little bro um, back on on the <laughs> podcast. He's the one who um, turned me on to Death Cab back in the early two thousands. Um, oh yeah, you know, I had already moved from the Seattle Tacoma area. Wayne, you were still there, so you you knew how big Death Cab was up there. Um, my brother was still in that area and, um, he turned me on to transatlanticism, which, yeah, God, I mean, I just, it's still one of my go-to records. Yeah. That record kind of changed the game as it yeah. were for many, many folks. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, w- I was hoping to have him on and then some scheduling conflicts, um, prevented him from, from, from being on here. But I, I, I hope you'll indulge me for a second cause I did did say okay well dave provide me your thoughts on this and then deal i'll get i'll get your thoughts on this would love it um so if you know anything about us montgomery men we're long-winded so um here we go (laughs) uh he says one thing that will always stick out to me as someone who considered a career in radio before ending up as a teacher was an article that former 107.7 the end program director phil manning wrote in the old radio and records magazine He noted that in markets where Bush won a majority of votes in the 2004 election, the alternative stations were trending with bands like Disturbed, Papa Roach, Corn, etc. In the Kerry majority markets, those stations were championing Death Cab and other like-minded bands. He even called it Red State Alternative and Blue State Alternative. Mm. I was relieved that the end had chosen this direction, despite having Papa Roach and Stain headlining EndFest in previous years in 2002 and 2003. He said, Thoughtful and Earnest seemed to, seemed to come back to, to the forefront for a while there, and to me it started with Death Cab for Cutie. 
Ben Gibbard seemed to perfectly describe all my thoughts and emotions, and I couldn't decide what I wanted to do more. Cry while writing journal entries and learning every chord on the album, or screaming with elation from the top of Mount Sai. Plans came out 16 years ago, and, and I still feel the same way. I turn it on and still... I turn it on still and 16 years feel more like 16 days. Something that should not be overlooked from the entire uh, plans era of death cab is their companion music video album directions, which I didn't know about until he brought this up, which kind of made sense because every time I would like Google a song, the one of the first things that would pop up would be a YouTube video. And I Mm -hmm. watched a few of them, but didn't realize that they made, um, they made a video for every single song. Mm-hmm. He said that DVD lived in my player for a year of a year of college, helping me through two breakups. Inspired my own music writing and played in the background as I wrote far too many essays on history and teaching. I would share more, but I I should probably quit there, or else I would ramble on forever. He said, "What Sarah said is my eleven. Depending on the day, all of the rest of the songs would probably shift around a lot." And to hell with your scoring system. There are no ones on this album. Uh, and uh, he said, I look forward to hearing the episode. And I believe he also followed up with a email uh, or a text, Wayne, it's for you. He said, if this episode sucks, I'm driving to South Hill to slap you. Good luck. So, and, and, and I said, well, define sucks. Cause I got nothing for, but love for this album. And he's like, it's more about Wayne. And I said, <laughs> so I, I, I texted wow. back and I said, I don't know if you realize this or not, but I have zero control over Wayne. <laughs> so there we go. There's, there's thoughts from Dave Montgomery. I feel like maybe we should have like a, a intro music for thoughts from Dave Montgomery. But, yeah. Um, well, We'll leave it at that. So how did how did you get turned on to Death Cab for Cutie? Um, I was probably like the cliche person where um, I had kind of had my intro to the world of quote unquote at the time emo, you okay. know, and when I yeah. say that too, I don't mean like the, the, now I feel like when you think of emo music, it was, it's kind of cliche and I think it's kind of become a caricature of itself but for me it was like the first entry was like jimmy world's clarity was like sure. my first like mind-blowing album right yeah. and then from that i started paying attention to labels like i think i'm pronouncing it right was it brusak that, that they Bar-Suk. were on at the time Bar-Suk. Bar-Suk. yeah Barsuk. Yeah. yeah so they were um i started paying attention to that label um among others and uh and i heard death cab like i heard the record and i thought that Transatlanticism was absolutely amazing, and I was waiting for plans when it came out. And I actually yeah. remember watching them perform Soul Meets Body. I, it was either on Letterman or Leno, and just being like, oh, this is this is going to be so good. I can't wait for this record. And um, so I was primed to love it, but I felt like uh, at the time especially, I mean, it was an album that I think... Because I, I was definitely an album kid. Like, I would get into an, okay. an entire album. I wasn't, like, singles and all that stuff, even though um, the whole Napster thing was starting back then. I would wear yeah. out CDs in my car. And uh, and I was a drummer at the time. And so okay. um, Jason McGurr was just, like, blowing my mind. And I would sit in my basement and just try to learn those songs. And I would just practice and practice and practice. And, um, and I was in, admiring... I was always admiring Ben's writing. 
Um, but on this record in particular, it's funny what your brother said, because what Sarah said is, you know, a, my favorite song on the track. Um, mainly because of a lot of the stuff, uh, the writing was the first time somebody was writing about something specifically. I had a lot of sickness in my family and a lot of family. So I spent a lot of time in hospitals. Yeah. And so a lot of the words in that song in particular, I was like, this is exactly how a hospital and a nursing home smells. This is exactly piss how this 409. feels. Piss in 409. Yeah, piss in 409. I mean, it literally, I was like, I always wondered, I had never thought about a smell. You know, like, like as like I never thought of describing the smell that way, but as soon as he said it, I was like, exactly. That's exactly what it smells like. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I just remember it being one of those formational records for me as someone who was falling in love with music at the time. And uh, and I remember like years later being offended because I think there's also aspects of this record and as it's gone on that have gotten it's gotten a lot of shit from people. Um, and uh, and uh, I was just like, I was like, no, that record's amazing. And I'll, you know, I, I can talk about, we can talk about song to song, what you like and what you don't like. But for me, this is just like one of my favorite records still. So Yeah. Yeah. Look, if you want to throw shade at, at Death Cab, it's not for this record. No, not my opinion. Yeah. Wait until Chris is no longer in the band and then you can go ahead and throw shade. Oh, yeah. The last couple... I've bought them. Mm-hmm. I've probably listened to them maybe twice each. I, re- mm-hmm. I probably really should spend a little more time with each of those, but th- they just haven't resonated like like this one in Transatlanticism did 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 for yeah. me. Also, yeah. time and time and place in life as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think I was I was a little emo back in early 2000 as well trying to figure oh yeah crap out trying to figure out how to be a dad and all that stuff so wayne how about you i know that you know you were you were around in the seattle tacoma area so i know they got they got plenty of play and even even before this they were i could say they were i feel like they were bigger here than they were elsewhere because especially with i mean after the 90s especially the end uh the, the local alternative station really did focus on local bands and anybody that you know you would see, hear them a lot more and so um and like I say also i had teenagers that were just starting to you know my daughters were just starting to find their own kind of music they weren't listening to anything that i listened to so i was starting to so i had that in the house and so i was i was very much uh listening to death cab before even before yeah. they got even bigger yeah and i would say so early 2000 when i'm i'm down here in in orlando i'm listening to kxp streaming um in the mornings um john in the morning um i would listen to while i was at work and kxp was definitely a, a champion of of death cab um not sure if they still play death cab I, but, but back then they absolutely did, and and they 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 played um, quite a few different songs from this. Um, so bio info on this: it's the fifth studio album from from Death Cab for Cutie. It was released in August of two thousand five, released on Atlantic Records. Um, did did have a couple singles? We'll talk about those as as we go through and were alternative chart um darlings for 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 this mm-hmm. album 
We'll talk about the Grammy nomination that they got um, and um, the absolute catastrophe of not winning that one too. Well, I'll just well, I'll I'll leave it for I'll leave it for for that song. Uh, we've already talked about Jason McGurr. Um, Wayne, we've talked about Jason before on on this on this podcast. He's done some work with one of our our favorites, Matt Nathanson. He's he's uh, oh, yeah. on a couple of Matt Nathanson records. Funny uh, funny side story on that is um, so one of my friends who's a producer in Michigan, who uh, his name is Ben West. He yeah. played keys on the Matt Nathanson records with Jason and years ago. Uh, that was ben for some Matt I, Hope. Yeah. And yeah. Ben knew that I loved Death Cab and Jason was in town and he we went to the show. This was like years later. It was like after okay. Codes and Keys. Yeah. But we went to the show and I got to meet Jason and, and I was like completely, you know, like I was stumbling over my words. I was just kind of like, you're really good. And like Ben, <laughs> ben Gibbard came up and I was like, and he shook our hands and he was really nice. And I was just like, oh, you guys were awesome. You know, it was just like, it was one of those moments where you're in front of people that you've yeah. idolized and you have, you've thought about things to say, but they're all out of your mind when you actually are confronted with them as human beings but yeah uh, I, yeah I, I get it i get it mm-hmm. um the other two individuals we haven't talked about for death cab so uh chris walla i mean he engineered and produced this one man he's just a master engineer and producer uh in, in yeah. my book which which again is is probably the reason why the, the last death cab just didn't didn't resonate with me i didn't mm-hmm. you could tell chris wasn't there Mm-hmm. And then uh, on bass is Nick. Is it Nick Harmer? I believe so. It's Harmer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't know if there was you know some fancy French pronunciation yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. All right. This album peaked at number four on the Billboard 200, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy for to, to to think about that. You know, you always think of Death Cab for Cutie as as this indie band. Uh, mm-hmm. This was this was a platinum record. Um, mm-hmm. Sold sold a lot. Um, also, like I mentioned, it's gonna, was nominated for um, for a Grammy for one of the songs. It was also nominated for uh, best alternative music album at the 48th Grammy Awards. Unfortunately, didn't win because there were some really great other choices. Um, so let, let 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 me see if you guys can 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 uh, can can pick. Um, being a Michigan guy, deal. So White Stripes, Get Behind Me, Satan is one of one of the choices. <laughs> okay. Arcade Fire, Funeral. Okay. Bex Guero, Franz Ferdinand's. You could oh. you could have it so much better. And then of course Death Cab's plans. Any uh, guesses on what what one? Wayne, what do you think? I. I would have thought Death Cab or White Stripes. They were a critical darling. Uh, yeah, I would. My guess would have been White Stripes. Yeah, it was. It yeah. was White Stripes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's they were. A good they were. They were everywhere back then. They really. I mean, were. It was literally every music award show. Everything. I mean, it was all White Stripes back then. I remember yeah. everyone loving. It. I felt like every show you played locally, there was one local band that was a guitar player and a drummer. <laughs> also in michigan you know what i mean like that's just growing up in michigan there, you just had there's that. there's still a lot of those down here in florida oh, yeah. as well yeah oh yeah oh yeah and i was like at the time so because i had older brothers 
there was a band. I don't know if you guys remember them. I think it was Local H. Yeah, and they yeah, had done also, that first. Yeah, they're <laughs> and also they had a drummer done that. and guitar. Yeah, yeah, and I remember just being like, it was one of those weird things where I was a little bit ahead of my peers because I had older brothers, and I was just like, they're just ripping off Local H, you know. <laughs> and I felt like I was like all like, oh, I know something you don't know. Yeah, and Local H is still doing it. They were oh, just they are. here. Yeah, yeah, they were just here a couple months ago. I didn't go see. I didn't go see them, but I I did see yep. that they were that they're. They're still doing it, so mm-hmm. good, good on them. Yeah. All right, you guys ready to do the track by track? Do yeah. it. All right, let's jump into this. As a reminder, our scoring is based uh, on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this one? 11. Which means our top song is going to get 11 points. Next favorite song, 10 points on down to the lowest score of one. Let's kick this off with Marching Bands of Manhattan. bad about my score there's just way too many really good songs usually okay you you already know my criteria wayne i want to get punched in the face right at right from the gate this I, isn't a punch in the I, face record though. this I is mean, not it's... a punch in the face record i get no. i get it yeah but um i don't know i i don't think that i would change anything with the sequencing because i do dig the song but I don't know. Do, do you guys feel like this sets the tone for the rest of the record, or what? I do, what do you I think like of that. This? I I do think it sets a tone. I like that little uh, churchy organ that's played at the beginning. That kind of has mm-hmm. this everybody stand up kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And like I say, this these he had said something about you know um, he was was thinking about how plans are always always have good outcomes nobody ever plans to be in a car crash plans to you know mm-hmm. uh have something bad happen and so i think that theme does run through these songs in a ve- and not in in differing very you know varying degrees of of subtlety like this one's a, a little bit more I, there's a very to me there's a very strong depression feel in this one uh, it's got this very positive first verse where he's you know, he, he loves this person so much, he just wants to do unimaginable things. Things that can't even be done are the kind of things he wants to do for this this person. And then it and then the mood drastically changes with that line of mm. that I live like a hermit in my own head, which is there's so many lines in this record that strike so personally, like like just right to the your very core. Like I know exactly what he means by that. Yeah. And then, and there's that that guilt in there that follows that direct line is like I know that I do this and I feel mm-hmm. I feel horrible about it, but I think the third verse is the verse that makes me feel like he is the greatest lyricist of his generation because, and I got a half a page on just this last verse, but I, the idea 
that a pinhole, something yeah. almost in, undetectable and insignificant, if you give it a constant source, no matter how slow or how small, it will fill any cavity. Mm-hmm. And that, so that idea that, that and then the, the idea that there's some comfort in that sound. So there's something familiar and safe about this this thing filling up to the point where it's going to drown everybody inside. And then the idea, that realization of where now we have a problem when using that cliche of glass, you know, the debating whether it's half full or half empty. Now you realize this problem and are you in too deep? Is it too much to fix? And all of that happens in a matter of, I don't know, 30 seconds or something at the end of this song. And it, it it's... It's moving like he is. And this isn't even the end of it. This is Dave has nothing to worry about. This <laughs> this album is brilliant. And this individual writes in a way that I think is different from everybody else. And incredibly, incredibly special. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the the first this this opening track is also indicative of the style, the genre at the time. It was very common like i kind of going back to other records of the era that opening track is always kind of chill and ramps you into something like that was very much the emo at the time feeling of like i'm gonna we're gonna ease you into something but we're also lyrically gonna like knock you straight over the head um and i i think you're spot on wayne with with this is like this has been becoming the writer that he is now, right? He's writing for so many different people and he's just crushing it. Um, and to your point about depression, I remember I read an article about it leading up to it. I forget which publication it was on, but he was saying that his girlfriend that at the time, he thought that he was writing these happy songs and it was going to be his like positive thing. And he would play them for her and she'd be like, that's so sad. That song is so sad. And he was like, oh. And, uh, and what I think too, while you were talking, I, I was with you so much of the the comfort in the sound is uh, having myself dealt with depression so much is is that sometimes when you're like kind of deep in it the familiarity of whatever the suffering is or whatever the thing that you've come to expect um is comforting right like waking up and feeling a certain way is better than feeling unfamiliar and out of control and so sometimes it's actually exhausting to think about getting better at times when you're struggling with depression and um and also that feeling of thinking that you're going to sabotage something and just being comfortable with that idea of just being like yep i'm gonna i love this i'm gonna find comfort in this cycle in my life right of of these things and um he just found a way to eloquently say it in a way that like i don't (laughs) think anybody else could (laughs) and because it it also i think speaks to the the art of it is is that i think that can also be interpreted experientially through a lot of different lenses and be shared right and uh yeah i i think that this song is great i don't actually have it like at the very 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 top but um it's still on my top half of the list but yeah i love this tune yeah thanks for making me feel bad for my score <laughs> um this is my three uh Wayne, oh. i know i'm sorry uh, and four wow. it's like i say it's it yeah. was difficult as much as i enjoyed every song there were uh it yeah this was for no other reason than I just loved other songs more. Did it get a four? Yep. Me too. I had it at seven. I had it at a seven. So. All good. All right. Yeah. Soul Meets Body is next. So close, I 
and this is the uh, first single released off of off of the this uh, this album. Peaked at number five on the Modern Rocks tracks, and uh, thirty two on the top forty. So did get did did get some 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 play. Um, what do you guys think of this as the lead single? Is this a, is this indicative of the rest of the record? Ooh, Wayne, you want to take it? Now, to me, yeah. around here, uh, so obviously, I, I being from the the local area, them being a local band, they were being played, um, and so I remember when this came out, and this was the lead single. This is the new song by Death Cab for Cutie. I and I immediately thought, well, Death Cab's gone commercial, and because there's a, and it's not, it's still full of these great lyrics, particularly the second verse. Um, but it d- does have a kind of a, There's seems to be more instrumentation. Um, it has a little more pr- production and it feels a little more mm-hmm. polished. Um, and at the time it was, it was perfect for alternative radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, again, looking at 2004, it's commercial, but not overtly commercial. Is is how I I view it, C- considering that you've got. I mean, do we call when he says "Where Soul Meets Body" it, it, three times? It, do we consider that the chorus? Yeah, I guess. And, yeah. and and leading up to it, the, I do believe it's mm-hmm. true that that stuff is that the pre-chorus or is that the chorus? It's a weird. It's an oddly constructed. It tune. is, it, and it almost is. It's very hook-driven. Um, in, yeah. in, in so many different ways. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an unconventional pop song in, in many ways, like in the sense of like, it, it was trendy in the sense that, you know, uh, McGurr's doing kind of like that disco thing that was popular at the time. You bring up like Franz right. Ferdinand and all that stuff. That was like what was driving things. But, and it was interesting in the way of like, I felt like when I heard this song as a drummer at the time and just as a younger I was younger than you all probably at this time. I think I was graduating around where I just graduated. And uh, oh, you're younger than yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm I'm feeling old. I just turned 37, so I have that misconception. But I remember loving the. I mean, this song is on the near the top of my list as well because it just was a. Uh, I loved it because it was changing pop music, in in and it was something that I could enjoy because I wasn't as into the pop stuff at the time. Um, but uh i and i remember people saying that um people who were friends of mine who were much more well-versed in music at the time saying like no death cab's gone commercial there was like a lot of crap at the beginning with this song um for sure yeah and i think my score is a reflection of just i feel like i've i've heard this song way too much yeah overplayed yeah i think it actually was in a commercial Mm -hmm. Yeah. At least one. Mm-hmm. I don't remember which one, but I do remember when I saw this on a commercial, I was like, hey, good for them. Yeah. Great. Take, grab your money however you can. Be- well, you know, and I'll say this also. I think that um, I think maybe when I was listening to the, the podcast you guys did with Ruben, maybe you guys touched on this aspect of like the Beatles in general. But, you know, being a songwriter and stuff like that, I think a common thing that songwriters will say like when you're at a bar hanging out they'll just be like oh that's that's crap i could write pop music if i wanted to i could totally do it you know what i mean and and like you sit there and you whenever somebody does it and then my response is always like well if it's so easy 
Right. Why don't we go do it? And so this this song to me was when I listened to it and came back to it, I was I had it uh, as high as I had it. I had it at eight um, because I was just like to think of because retroactively I learned about Death Cab like their early days and what their indie indie phase mm-hmm. was and what Ben was writing to see him evolve into someone who could write yes a pop song that was uniquely still his voice with his band and and truly i'm guessing you know walla had a lot to do with all of this as well i'm i'm not but it was it, it is like more impressive to me to go back and listen to the record and hear that one because i'm like this is a straight up pop tune from a band that didn't write pop music right you know, and that evolution is to me that there is an achievement in that, even if it doesn't hit the introspective kind of deeper notes of other things. It was wildly impressive to me. Um, but I get why people, you know, there'd be other tracks like higher on the list for sure. Yeah, yeah this is my four. Um, DL, yeah. what was yours? I had eight. Okay. Yeah, I Wayne. had this up. Uh, right in between a six, like I say, it did. It I think it is a great song, and like I say, that line about uh, was it when we turn the dirt with our palms cupped like shovels. Like it's just like who's yep. who, not only who says it, who who could think of that? Like it's there's just a lot. Like it's the whole the the theme. There's a death connotation in a lot of songs to once again varying mm-hmm. degrees, but this one has this love lasts forever. You know, even beyond the veil of death and that actually isn't that so it is positive it doesn't more so than it sounds i think when you really read it or really listen to it and 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 hear what he's saying ultimately it is it's it is positive Mm -hmm. yeah i think it goes back to what you were saying earlier dl about the 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 hemingway aspect you know there's that economy of words none of these none of these lyrics are super long uh, with the exception of maybe one or two songs but but like you know a couple of my more favorite songs on this record there's not a whole lot of lyrics to it but it no. packs a punch there's that economy of the of, of, of the lyrics that paints the picture and you don't you don't need to have 20 verses to to do that mm-hmm well, I mean, I think it's also a, a thing of you see how having the band that yeah. Death Cab is, the influence on this record on Ben creates that, right? Because everyone's doing so much interesting stuff and it's so thoughtful, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, and the, the production on this one too, I, yeah, I just, I think it's, it's really, really great. high level. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next song, Summer Skin. I had this way higher than you guys. I, I really dig this yeah. song. Uh, MVP for me is Jason McGurr on this Absolutely. One. I, that I, I military march yep. creates so this flam. urgency. Like the, the, mm-hmm. And it reminds you of those last few days before summer ended and school started. He And it, it, almost, it almost has a drum machine 
Like mm-hmm. t- he's he is solid. Like he really, I think that that's the heart of this song. That that it just really For creates sure. this sense of urgency. Yeah, I mean, I I would go along with that. The the bass line is yes iconic in how they the rhythm section in this one works. I mean, I have it scored low, but that's not it, that's a reflection of just the fact that like you can only score so many songs. I know, so high. That. We're we're bastards. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it is a it's a I I understand why you enjoy this song. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, and great. again, the the the, the lyrics that that last verse of of on the night you left, I came over and we peeled the freckles mm. from our shoulders. Again, right. this this economy of of lyrics painting that picture, where yeah. You know, anybody who's ever had a sunburn mm-hmm. where you've got your skin flaking off, you know yep. exactly what he's talking about. Well, and too, like, to, to talk about the range that he's talking about, the poetry of the shovels, all right, compared to the, like, the literal nature of yeah. that line that you're referencing, is yep. he's finding, he's he's creating poetry where, where it's needed, an imagery, and then he's just using experience in in such a poetic way that is yeah yeah, it's so strong and and he gets extra points for using conduit in the lyrics (laughs) (laughs) that is that is the uh the headiness of of his writing he he can really throw stuff like that into stuff he always been able to it's great yeah yeah i gave this my eight wayne what you got and I gave it a five, and this was one that I, I struggled with because I'm a sucker for nostalgia, and I don't know how many of those – I mean, once again, he – it's very personal when he – that end of summer, you know, these preteen, teenage romances that – like I say, there's a lot of death connotation, and he puts a very serious – you know, because that's when you're a teenager or 12 years old or whatever, it does feel like the – it feels that – big and that important and he's able to capture that which so yeah i i gave it a five but i just i i it's on another level five yeah mm. deal your score i came in real low on this one <laughs> i know i gave it a, i gave it a two i think because as i listened to it now i didn't have as much uh it didn't strike me and i think back i remember wearing that that song out when it first came out it was like my jam yeah but i um I found myself drawn to other tunes, so it just it got a two. All good. Please All don't right. hurt me. No. Ben's no. brother. <laughs> don't come find <laughs> me. All right. Different names for the same thing is next. The one thing that I read on this was, all right, and and again, take this for whatever it's worth because this comes from the interwebs, was written after a chance encounter on a train traveling rural Maryland. Ben overheard a conversation between a red-haired woman he only knew as Ashley Renee and a man. She expressed her frustration of people in her life not understanding her passions, emotions, and love for life. And so the boundaries of language was a phrase used to explain that while people may speak the same literal language, the meaning is not always understood. Mm. 
doesn't change my score. It's still my least favorite song. But um, oh, yeah. least yes, this is yeah. my least. And for the first two minutes, it was my least favorite too. And uh, I think it's it has something to do with the moody piano. Um, it's almost too melancholy. Uh, but the and even though I don't know that he needed to do the you know when it changes pace and is really not, you know. I don't know that three minutes was necessary, but the whole thing buoyed my spirits and brought it up from the one to the two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had it low, too. I had it at a three. I think this is the most transatlanticism song on the record. Oh, yeah. Which, good or bad, however you want to interpret that, I felt like this would have been a better song on that album as opposed mm-hmm. to on this album. Um, this is the only song on the album that I do skip. So I'll, I'll mm-hmm. be very frank. I do skip this one mostly because I know what's coming up next as well. So that, yeah, that, that helps. It's my, it's my one. It, what this song felt like to me was very indicative again of the genre was everybody had a track on their record back then. Typically the last song on your track that would go like 10 minutes. Right. And you know, like uh, goodbye sky Harbor. Um, there's so many other ones that, yeah. And, um, and I felt like this was like the dying of a, of a cliche. And so when I listen to it now, to your point, it's just like, Oh, there are other songs that do this that I enjoy more. Better. So I will yeah. skip it. Yeah. 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 Wayne, anything on different names, same thing. Other than what I said already. No. Okay. Mm. All right. All right. What was your score on this? Five. Oh, no, hold on. You're throwing me off with by asking me the same question twice. It was a two. Yeah, I had a three. You have to cut that out. You already, you already asked for scores. Did I? Okay. Yeah, I also I didn't talked think, about this I didn't, song. I didn't think the I did. The moody piano. Right. You're not remembering? <laughs> Stay with us. It's my, it's my throat issues that I got going on right now. It's throwing mm-hmm. me off. All right. I will follow you into the dark is next. Into the dark, no blinding light or tunnels to gates of white. Just our hands clasped so tight, waiting for the hint of a spark. If heaven and hell decide that they both are satisfied, and illuminate the nose on their vacancy signs. If there's no one beside you when your soul embarks, then I'll follow you into This is the song that has spawned 20 million covers. Yeah. I mean, this one was weird when I, that uh, show that I told you that I went to go see um, with my buddy Ben, um, it was odd to experience this, like, when they're huge and hear, like, a packed room just all belting it, but like kind of looking around and being like, Oh, I don't, I didn't realize these people listen to death cab. You know what I mean? It was like that weird emotion of like, so, uh, but I still though, what I'm, what I'm most in love with, with this song is, is the idea that like Ben just, it was, it's a, it's like the second of two takes. And he was just like, that's as good as I'm going to play it. That's the idea. That's the song. And it ended up being, a huge, huge song, right? Yeah. Just like massive. And so I'm I'm just in awe of it because it is such a well-crafted tune. It's so strange, I feel like, for them at the time. It's flat-picked. Like, it, it, it's not the... 
thought out, mathy, you know, kind of death cab thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just been flexing <laughs> almost in a way and being like, yeah, I can write these kinds of songs too. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. I, I, I was a little surprised because I I read that this song only peaked at number twenty eight on the modern rock tracks, and didn't didn't chart in the Hot one hundred. I had XM satellite radio when this song came out, um, and this is one of those songs that they played mm-hmm. all the time on XM. So for me to read, oh yeah, it only peaked at number twenty eight. I'm like, what? But the fact that this song has had this long shelf life tells you just what the charts are they're most of it's crap because um, you know i the industry also noticed I, I mentioned that this was nominated for a grammy award for best pop performance by a duo or a group with vocals didn't win which knowing who the winner is it just makes me just i'm i, I so mad I'll save my vitriol. You're a tornado I'll save, I'll save my vitriol. Let's see around. if you guys can figure out who won based off of my reaction okay. here, okay? So this song, Over My Head, Cable Car by The Fray, which also was just played to death. Yes. Um, Is It Any Wonder from Keen. Oh. Uh, Stick With You from The Pussycat Dolls. Mm. And then My Humps from Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I know. know who won. Yeah. yeah, you already know who won. Uh, the humps, based off of my reaction. So it's definitely my humps. <laughs> which, good lord! I mean, talk about a song that does not have staying power, and mm-hmm. this one does. Like, if you watch any, I don't, I don't always watch like The Voice or American Idol with, but my wife watches those, and if I'm in the same room. I swear at least once a year, maybe twice a year, people are auditioning with this song. Mm. Like it still has staying power, whatever, 16 years later, 17 years later. So what else, Wayne? Well, if I was going to highlight all the lyrics in this that I like, it would just be one big yellow page. Um, It's the song... (sighs) This song to me is right up there with the cures, just like heaven, as the most, one of the most sincere uh, expressions of love ever. Like, mm-hmm. and it, and I, I love how he sets it up with that, uh, the verse about uh, Catholic school, like giving the the background for where he learned love, and that he refuted it even then, and and so to have and to build into the rest of this because it's there's something. There's a matter of factness, like there's no fear in this. He's talking about the biggest unknown, and yet he has he, he has no fear. That's in his words and in and in his voice, he conveys that. And like I say, just the the the, the vacancy line. I mean, the idea that, you know, if heaven and hell line. decide, they both are satisfied, and they illuminate the nose on their vacancy sign. If the two options for the two you know, traditional options for after death are all full up. There no those destinations are no longer an option. I'm good. Me and you. That's all I got. That's all mm-hmm. I need. Whatever happens. It's just uh I don't know, it gives me goosebumps and stuff. It's just a tremendous song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it it's 
timeless for a reason. I feel like, you know, it defines, uh, I think it defines Ben Gibbard as a songwriter in, in so many ways. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mentioned this has spawned a million covers. I have to ask DL, do you cover this one? I do not. Uh, there, there are some songs that, um, I have tried to learn and and tried to go after. I, I, I tried to learn this one. Um, I have covered um, title and registration, um, Ugh, but I have not covered this one, um, mainly because it's just kind of like. So it is like this amazing song, but I think you go to shows so often, you hear it so often that it feels a little bit like. Yeah, cool. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's cool when yeah. Ben does it. You know, it's one of those songs where you're kind of like, I want to hear Ben Gibbard play this. I don't know if I want to hear me play it you know so yeah. yeah if i go out on youtube is there a cover of you doing title and registration on my instagram there is yeah okay. i mean i think it's on youtube yeah. as well yeah in my apartment last year i did it while i was locked down i i watched videos of ben performing it solo and studied him so yeah all right well i gotta go check that out now that's one <laughs> of my favorite death cab songs yeah it's amazing song. all right uh this is my 10 wayne this is my 11. Oh, DL. Okay. I have it at nine. Yeah. All right. Spoiler alert. Top song. Mm-hmm. Top song. Uh, average score of 10. So that gets our, gets our top. But we still have a couple more to talk about. All right. So uh, your heart is, as, is an empty room. But you don't know what now to do. Because the chase is all you know. Stopped running months ago And all you see Is where else you could be When you're at home And out on the street Are so many possibilities To not be All right, I have to throw this out before you guys do the an, uh, analysis here. So every so often I'll go to song meetings just to see what everybody has to say about certain songs. Mm-hmm. There are 98 comments on that website for this song, which is a lot <laughs> for that website. So obviously the lyrics are striking some chords. Um, I didn't read all of the all of the, the the comments. Here's my favorite from user Deep Meep. I, I don't even know how to say anything about that user ID. All right, uh, it says a Buddhist story goes like this: A scholar blabs to a monk as they sit down for tea. The monk says, "You are like this cup. You are full of ideas about Buddha's way. You come and ask for teaching, but your cup is full. I can't put anything in." Before I can teach you, you'll have to empty your cup. I think this kind of relates to your heart as an empty room, in quotes, and all you see is where else you can be when you're at home, end of quote. You can't move on if you continue to mope about what could have been. Empty your heart if you want to love again. Hmm. So there you go. Love it. I loved this song when it first came out. I think this was one of the songs that I personally would like when I was hanging out with my friends. You know, we'd, everybody would be talking about different songs, and I would be like, 
your heart is an empty room that was like the jam you know what i mean <laughs> like i was just that that was like yeah. one of the songs and i don't think i could explain like to your point about the lyrics i don't think i could ever fully explain what the song was about um exactly but it made me feel something that i i loved just the vibe of the tune in general how it just kind of moves along and um yeah, yeah it's beautiful yeah, I don't know if I agree with deep meep, but I there is there is this yeah. this depressive depression anxiety angle. There's a lot of, of wanting what you don't have, um, being unsatisfied with what you do have. I definitely um, relate to the loving the chase. I mean, I've been in mm. relationships, and the the exciting part is trying to convince them to love you, and and mm-hmm. and that beginning, the honey, honeymoon phase, and then all of a sudden one day you realize that what you know you start to those those thoughts start to creep into your mind what am i doing is this you know why isn't it as exciting as it used to be i mean you have to you have to at some point realize the that, chase is the easy part mm-hmm. well it's also but just like in the movies it's the fun part it's it's the exciting part yeah. and it's figuring out how to be excited after after that part but it, that all some people are better at it than others. Um, this song really resonated with me, and I also think musically it has a lot in common with Soul Meets Body. But it's this is what I expect—a little more, a little less, um, a little less production, a little less, you know, um, kind of fanciness, and a little bit more, a little raw. Yeah. Okay. What's your score on this one, Wayne? Eight. All right. DL five. Right. All right. right down this the is middle. my six. Alright, someday you will be love is next. This did not track high for any of us. Um, yeah. I never fully analyzed the lyrics before this week. This is a breakup song, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you break up with someone, I don't think uttering the words of, you <laughs> know, someday you'll be loved. Yeah, that's, will go that's over the thing well, about right? it is there's a, there's a callousness to it that... That is not, it's not overt or it doesn't necessarily seem intentional, no. but usually in breakup songs, it's like, oh, you can do better than me. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good enough. You know, you deserve somebody better. And this is like, hey, you know what? Hey, kid, you'll be, <laughs> you'll find love someday. Um, yep. It also feels, and I, I guess I'm not, I tried to count it out because it reminds me of where did you sleep last night? Because it sounds almost like it's in three, four and, mm-hmm. it, and so there was something to that also. Not that I do, I absolutely love that song, but I'm not I'm not yeah. looking for it here. But like I say, I think I think it's the it's it was I think it's appropriately sequenced after the last song where there's a lot of talk about not being happy yeah. in this in this relationship, mm-hmm. whether it's his own of his own, you know, internal doings or not. And then this could very well be seen as the song that as being the song that immediately follows it, it could definitely be the, the action that immediately followed the previous. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, when I was reading about this one online, um, I think I read an article with Ben talking about this album, and he kind of highlights this song as, I think, the one he was least happy with <laughs> from a lyrical standpoint. And uh, I I do think it's, it's oddly... Um, I think his words were like he thought he was being really understanding but it doesn't read that way anymore was essentially the feeling behind it. And that's exactly yeah. how I feel about the song is, is I'm like, this is some real condescending, like I'm going to, I'm above you in the, in my view of the existential existence of us in time. And so I'm just going to tell you, Oh, I mean, it'll be fine. You'll find someone else. Like you'll, you'll move on. Right. It's totally okay. And like, if somebody were to say that to you during a breakup, I think you'd want to punch him in the throat. You know? <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's just, it's kind of like you you're, think that you're, you're helping me. Yeah. You're trying to like lessen the blow. Instead, your words are making it so that you're going to get some blows. Yeah. And, and I remember, yeah. uh, I think Chris also was interviewed and he actually said that you can hear it musically, that we were trying to make up for the fact that the lyrics weren't <laughs> quite there and we were trying to make it more interesting yeah. Then it was, and um, and I think that it is to, for me musically. It's my least uh, favorite. Yeah, it's right up there for me. Uh, I have a one. This is my one. Yeah, this is my two. Wayne, I gave it a three. Okay. Uh, lowest low score, by the way, uh, for the record for all of us. All right, Crooked Teeth is next. This was also a single. It did peak at number ten on the Modern Rock Tracks chart. It, I mean, it was, it was a hit. This when this song came out, I, everything I had thought about Soul Meets Body, I threw out the window. This, yeah. I heard this and I was like, I gotta go, I gotta find the rest of it because I had a different impression. This, I, yeah. I thought Death Cab sold out. I w- I couldn't be more wrong. This mm. should have been the first single in my in my opinion because it felt like it was the bridge perspective or somebody who likes alternative music i think that 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 makes sense but yeah. i think they brought so many more they i think that putting out that more produced more pop single i, I can only imagine it drew in i mean it got to be in a commercial it drew in millions of people i mean the idea yeah. is 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 to make a living at at, at, and be able to keep making music, you need people to yeah. listen to it and buy it. I think Soul Meets Body has to be first. I mean, the record company was probably behind it, and I don't think from a from a profitability standpoint or and drawing people to your to your band, it it was the way to go. But this, to me, this was I heard this and I was like, oh, I gotta get this record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it felt like to me uh, a 
I think we were talking about how um, different names for the same thing felt like um, transatlanticism. This one uh, reminded me, for whatever reason, it was reminiscent of um, the sound of settling. Yes, and so it it was if it, it brought me back to the to transatlanticism when I heard it. I was like, okay, so there's still stuff that I'm gonna dig. <laughs> Right. about this record you know what i mean like in right. the sense of like yeah there's this pop song that i thought was really cool at the time and i was into but when i heard this one i was like oh this is great like i i love this and I, if i i mean the music video for it was pretty rad too um i enjoyed this one yeah um b-side for this is a cover of world shut your mouth from julian cope, cope. um Great, great, great tune. And then going back to the literary things of this. So here's here's a quote from Ben from Storytellers. He said, one of my favorite, favorite writers in the whole world is a man named Ray, Raymond Carver. As soon as you say that, man, I'm, I'm all in. Uh, one of my favorite writers of all time. Uh, and he had this way of writing stories about people living small lives, going through some very uh, their very own trials and tribulations in ways that I've always really admired. I wanted to kind of create a story that involved two characters that were trapped by geography in South Florida and that they were kind of keeping themselves captive in the city that surrounded them, was seemingly closing in on them. And this was the outcome of that experiment. This is my attempt to be a junior Raymond Carver. So, um, and I felt yeah. like he succeeded. <laughs> this does fill the the lyrics are definitely Raymond Carver esque. To, to yeah, I mean it's another it's another tune that just kind of we've mm-hmm. we've kind of said it, but this is another amazing tune. I think I have it at six, but yeah. again, it's yeah. This is my yeah. seven. And oh, I, this is I, my 10. I, I love this song and I love, I've never heard heat and humidity described more poetically than that, th- those first two lines. Yeah. Um, and then the idea of, of being trapped, especially for, for a child, for a child of the cold war, there's nothing, I mean, the Berlin wall and I know which side I'm on. I, it's just, this is full of such. And then that, the, the passage that the title comes from, literally creates this like i've never like i remember looking at a skyline of tacoma and thinking i can see the teeth like i can see it now it it's it's absolutely it's just brilliant like it this is another one that i've just like the page just turned yellow when i started highlighting the stuff that i thought was cool um i think one of the things i love i love most about it the next most about it besides the lyrics or is it has this kind of bouncy melody very smithian in the yeah. way that it has this nice bouncy uh fun melody but these there is a sense of being trapped in a place that you're uncomfortable in with somebody that you're beginning to despise and all of it sounds so cheerful yeah, I, I love it. I didn't even think about the Smiths aspect of the music being cheery, but the lyrics being just, um, yeah, dark. I, I thought I, what I think thought about too while you were talking about this is is it's kind of uh, ironic as we're talking about these songs, or maybe that's wrong. But it's interesting to me is is that the the album that they follow up with the listenability of this song in particular, like just the ease at which you pop crooked teeth on, you can imbibe this tune and be exactly where you need to be feel like they went so far away from that on the next record not in necessarily a bad way but it's to me this song is like one of the last times you get to hear a death cab song be 
this easy to soak in because I remember yeah. I would just always pop the song on and roll down the windows, even though the lyrics are what they are. You you feel happy, <laughs> right? Musically, right? Yeah. Um, and it's like happy, sad music. You know, it's it's yeah. just the, the definition of that. Or it's a breakup, and I'm happy that there's a breakup. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The realization that the breakup is a good thing. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. All right. All right. Uh, did I get scores? This was my seven. Six. Ten. Okay. What Sarah said is next. kind of brought this up yeah i do want to have four or five elevens for this album yeah because the lyrics for this song are just absolute poetry not in the conventional rhyming pattern i don't even know what poet that i could liken that to but it's just i mean if you were to just give this out as poetry and tell a person read this and don't tell them that it's a death cab for cutie um, I think you would be moved. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's tough. Anybody who has ever seen somebody pass away mm-hmm. or has been hooked up to a bunch of, you know, machines in a hospital, um, this resonates. Yeah. I remember listening to it when it first came out and being connected. I had a, a grandparent who was uh, in a vegetative state for about, over a decade. And so when I was very young, like from the time I was five years old, we would go to the nursing home to go see my grandma. And I remember at the time thinking this song explains that experience perfectly. And then going back to it and having experienced like lost, I lost all my grandparents. I've lost some aunts and some uncles and some family members. Um, and seeing my parents in particular, the role that they kind of took in their families was the role of um, taking care of their their siblings and their parents when they were sick, right? And seeing the difference in family members who were close to the experience and who were far away from the experience. And that weird, the the line of love is watching someone die and like, who's going to watch you die? Seeing the level of, there's still sadness in my parents, but because they went through the experience of, like the hellish experience of watching someone like die of cancer or die in all these different ways. When they go, the sadness is still really, really strong, but there is like this feeling of a piece of like, well, I loved this person through the end. Yeah. The the idea, like say, the idea that even though it's difficult, you want to be there for, and I, I, I know this may say, it may seem horrible, but the the best example of what I have is last year, my, my dog. Now I, I, I'm not equating it to a person, but I love this dog and she was sick and it was a decision that had to be made. And I was going to be there until the last second that her light was on. And I, and I've, I've never, nobody, I mean, my grandparents died. I was younger. I didn't understand. Um, and so this, this 
this creature was with me every day for 12 years. And there were times when it was, she was the only, uh, uh, being in my life. And so I wasn't going, and as it broke my heart, I've cried, I've never cried like that before, but I had to be there until the last second. I couldn't miss any second of that. And I think this song, he captures that. I think the line that I, I loved so much is it stung like a violent wind that our memories depend on a faulty, faulty camera in our minds. Yeah. Like it, uh, this whole page is yellow. Also, yeah. I think unlike um, I will follow you into the dark. There is, there is fear and there is um, in, in his voice and in the words. Um, it's a totally different, I mean, it's a similar idea, but he, but a totally different, um, a way of, of, of looking at it. And mm. I would say this, Wayne, don't ever feel bad that you love that dog more than you've loved certain other things in, in your life. The fact yeah. that you have loved, that's really, that's really the, the most important thing that we can do as humans is figuring out how to love. Now, whether that is loving your partner, loving your kids, loving your dog, I don't think it really matters as long as you understand that emotion of love. And uh, look, yeah. I, I watched you go through it. I, I was proud of you because I knew that you were, you were hurting and um, just yeah. knowing that you love, love that dog. That's cool, man. So my, my first dog we took in and I had a similar experience. I was like 19, but as soon as he was gone, I like, started uncontrollably bawling like uh, i it i was, told somebody i miss her every day yeah i was like bummed out i mean for weeks and i was surprised you know but he was my first dog it was like the dog that i grew up with to your point it was like i haven't had a dog since um but that dog was everywhere all the time with us and you know i got him around my fourth birthday and it was so i understand that i mean that that feeling love love and care and uh all that stuff you can't really like it's it's interesting how you you think oh I should feel this way about a thing and then you're like overwhelmed yeah. by emotion by it but it's like you realize like that's just our hearts are where our hearts are right and there's a beauty in it and yeah. it sucks if, if this tells you anything about how much Wayne loved Jet it's been how long has it been uh, almost a year it was th- it mm. was just after Thanksgiving last year it, there hasn't been a replacement dog yet I mean. Well, we, we, there is one on the way, but and it terrifies me because uh, I, uh, I, I, I say I like having a dog. I like it's an excuse to go walk and and yeah. and I just think it generally made me a better person. Like I was much. I mean, like my kids will tell you, like he was so patient with that dog, like to to no degree he's ever, you know. Um, <laughs> He's my, never been my, that patient with my us. second my second wife said i think you like that dog more than me and i made the mistake of saying the dog doesn't talk that that, <laughs> that didn't go over very well but it was tongue-in-cheek but there was something to it not necessarily all the time but there was times where the the dog would just look at me and mm-hmm. like that's right don't say that this is, it's a time to be quiet I feel like there is a someday you will be love sequel using those lyrics. Yeah, that's good. Oh my god! Uh, I, I do right. want to say one thing uh, about the, uh, the the contrast. I think is really interesting between uh, this tune um, and um, 
and what we were talking about with I'll Follow You Into the Dark. So it's interesting. So I'll Follow You Into the Dark is armorless. It is a person equipped with the courage of love to say mm-hmm. some really beautiful and poetic and uh, moving things, right? And then this tune is surrounded by music and uh, such amazing instrumentation when you listen to specifically what uh, Jason McGurr is doing on drums. When it goes to that point where it drops down and he's on the ride and he's working, he's doing jazz drumming (laughs) on an emo record. Because if you listen to that ride pattern, it's like da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then he's shuffling on the snare with his other hand. And seeing him perform this song live is... It's so amazing for someone to, to take that as a drummer and put it into pop indie emo music right? In, and move you, right? Like with that lyric to, to partner that moment and he's sending you off with this, who's going who's gonna to watch you die? Asking that question, it is to your point, like the fear, the vulnerability of this, this tune in contrast is, uh, I, I think, is, is just a great point uh yeah. and i just wanted to back that yeah. up yeah love it all right did i get scores on this one this was my this was my nine wayne this was my 11 okay this was also my nine all right mm-hmm. all right next song brothers on a hotel bed I threw this out on the socials yesterday that I was I was finalizing scores. I had already gotten your scores, the two of you, and I'm like, we have three different 11s for this record. This is my 11. Mm-hmm. This song is just so dang good. Yeah, and this on is so I think this levels. is the one. This is the one I have. I feel I feel guilt the most guilty about because I. I I think you're right. This is a great song, and I I, I would question whether he needed a, the minute and twenty intro. Yeah. Um, but I think what I, and one of the things I like about this song, full of amazing lyrics, again, is that he's he's got a kind of a negative spin on it. Um, I think intentionally, but it's all mm. very positive stuff. Like the idea, like just even the 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 use of brother like i have a brother ben has a brother like i don't love him the same way as i love my girlfriend but i love him as deep and as strongly as anything yep. i would i would fight god if 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 it was to protect my brother so there is it's it's super beautiful all of these things that he's describing and kind of twisting in this kind of this negative way i mean just the the stuff with being old and looking in the mirror and not being you know the the handsome man you used to be or whatever the other person is still there like they're still next to you in the bed they you know that those two kids that rode off on the motorcycle and ended up in the same town that they that they've that they grew up in is there's a 
the length of the of of the tale being told, I think, is the is the part that the narrator is missing. Um, is all we're still here. I'm old and gray and wrinkled and don't like the sight of myself in a mirror. And and there she is every morning. There there she is every night when we lay down in this bed and watch TV. I mean, the physical part has ended, but the emotional part is still very much alive. And and I. The way he he vocal he, his vocal delivery gives it this this sense that he's unhappy about that and he's just not but he, he's just not paying attention to what he's actually saying. Yeah. Mm. I got no problem with the long intro, by the way. <laughs> I, I didn't necessarily have a. I just thought when I actually looked to see how long it was, I was like, I don't know. I think we could have done that in forty seconds, don't, maybe. Don't care. Don't there, there was definitely. <laughs> I've said it before, but there was a thing about making things extended. At this point in, in in music that was very very popular of course though on the next record they like what's the one song that has like the eight uh, minute like 12, intro tw- yeah, that, yeah. Like they really went long. for it on the next one um but yeah no this one i is another one for me just from a drumming perspective uh that beat that jason is when it comes in it everything in the song is playing around that pocket um, and uh, Wayne, to your point, I, I think that this song is like the, uh, what I think about is, is, you know, like when somebody breaks up with you and they say they still want to be friends and you're like, that's not what I want. I don't want a friend. I want like passion, right? That, mm-hmm. That's the young person perspective. And like this song to me is being old enough to realize that every relationship becomes a friendship, <laughs> Right, like yeah. if it, mm-hmm. if you live with somebody long enough, you have to come to grips with the reality of the time that you have, right? And it's and life isn't all passion all the time and all that all those things, right? Um, and that love comes in in many 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 different ways. But um, yeah, I was I was just thinking about that as you were saying that because it was making me think about like when you're young and somebody's like, let's still be friends, and you're like, no, I don't want to <laughs> be friends. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I th- I think you're you're referring. I had to look this up. I will possess your heart. It's got like yes. I feel like that's a four minute long intro. I remember you can when be that critical on that one, Wayne, because I'm super critical on that song for the intro. So yeah, give me the single version on that one. All mm-hmm. right, um, I already mentioned this is my eleven, Wayne. Seven. I have this as my uh, as my ten. Uh, the combination of this and what Sarah said for me in, in terms of like getting to the end of a record is just like it's great amazing yep. yep it's great all right last but not least the stable song Wayne, I see your score. Did you just run out of numbers, or uh, so musically, it's it's a somber initially. Um, and I there's this is an actual thing that from doing this all the time, there are records when you get to the last song, yeah. you're a little bit sad that that it's almost over. Um, mm-hmm. And so there, there's much that's if that to me that's what it is. Um, I didn't have any more numbers. Um, it feels it feels shorter than three and a half minutes. I mean, it really yeah. 
it, it I, I can't say bad. There's nothing bad to say about this song. It just was <laughs> at the end of it. I was I. It affected me that I wasn't going to be another song after this on this record. So here are my mm. thoughts on Stable Song. So just so you know, this originally was called Stability. It was yeah. on the Stability EP. It was what like at eleven or twelve minutes long. I mean, it's super long. So they at least did less than that for you, Wayne. Um, mm. But it feels like, keep in mind, late 90s, early 2000s, everybody put a secret song on their albums. Mm-hmm. This felt like the secret song without putting it as a secret song. So this was yeah. like, I feel like Brothers on a Hotel Bed is the perfect final song. Would be, and then yeah. Stable Song is your hidden track. Mm-hmm. I don't know. May, I I have all oh, sorts yeah. of... That would have been a good idea. Yeah. A little throwback to the 90s. Uh, yeah, to me, this song is not about dying. It's about thinking about one day dying, which is 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 futile and probably could use your time better. Mm-hmm. But I think say, the, the gift of a memory is an awful curse. That's, a, that's another... He's just... Yes. Yes, it's like it when is. he's not even trying. He's spinning gold. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Any last thoughts on this one, Deal? Um, I, I just kind of agree. I, there's nothing wrong with the song from a practical standpoint. Yeah. I just think that it is, uh, uh, it's done a disservice with what Sarah said in Brothers on a Hotel Bed coming right before it. It's, it, it is, to Wayne's point, it is like a, an interesting see you later right. pal. Right. You know, and they ride off, and the album rides off into the distance. And in, in that sense, it feels maybe nice but just with the strength of the songs that came before it and how actually and and in my opinion i would have actually flipped if i was reordering it which my opinion whatever but i would end with what sarah said and i would have put brothers on a hotel bed first because ending with that who's gonna watch you die thought that's yeah yeah, that's another that would be a great sequence too because you're 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 talking about the relationship you know living this this long life and becoming um, less about the passion and the motor back, you know, the girl on the back of the motorcycle, and into this watching mm. her. Uh, yeah, that I, that's not that's a that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. good sequencing. Revisionist history. See if it we is. can. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> See if we can do the d- deluxe sequencing for them. <laughs> Whenever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it'll totally. be coming up on twenty years. They'll they'll do a remaster of this deluxe version. We'll see if we can get our hands on sequence. Yeah. This Records Revisited podcast uh, sequence. That's right. Love That's it. right. All right. Uh, this is my five DL. This is a four for me. And I already mentioned Wayne ran out of numbers. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't even want to say what his number is. On I would. This was my. This was. I guess it's hard to say least favorite. This is the one that I that I hung my lowest score on. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I already mentioned our top song. Oh, got to ask, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? Cover everything I have. Pretty good. I think we got into it pretty good. All right, so I already mentioned top song. I will follow you into the dark. Any guesses on number two? What Sarah said? Crooked teeth? What Sarah said. What Sarah said? Mm -hmm. Just barely. Just barely, 9.66 average score for what Sarah said. So um, I'll Follow You in the Dark was our top with 10 points. Uh, Brothers on a Hotel Bed, 9.33. 
It's our third. And then Crooked Teeth. And last but not least for our top five, Your Heart is an Empty Room. Average score of 6.33. Mm-hmm. Barely nudged over Soul Meets Body because I knocked it down with my four. So, mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm not sorry. I don't feel bad. <laughs> sorry, that's, not that's, sorry. That's that's a that's a solid five. That that's my five right there. That's 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 <laughs> solid. Well, thanks for picking this deal. Oh yeah, yeah. This was, no, I loved it. This was this was a lot of fun. I'm, um, you know, I'm I'm always glad when we're able to finally tackle a band that I've wanted to talk to talk about since we started the podcast. So, um, and I'll just throw this out to our patreon listeners i'll throw this out to future guests you can pick transatlanticism and wayne and i are completely cool with that oh yeah please do please Please somebody do that do that record yeah goodness all right um so how we got hooked up with you was because of ruben so um i'll ask the same question that i threw out to ruben so who do you know that i don't know that should join us on this podcast to talk about one of their favorite records. Ooh, who do I know that you don't know? <sighs> um, I would say, uh, have you guys had uh, Carl Anderson? From, have not uh, East Nashville out on on the podcast. He is a uh, um, he's in a project with Ruben right now called Cabin Boys, and he is not the like, Nashville Dollies. That's no, his, not I, the I feel like dollies. that's Ruben Ruben's project. So Ruben's <laughs> new side project actually just released yesterday the full length album. And Carl is a great songwriter from the East Nashville area. Has kind of a, a Willie Nelson vibe to his voice, okay. but he's modern. What's the, the project called? Songwriting. Uh, Cabin Boys Cabin is their new project, and it sounds amazing. It's kind of like country meets traveling uh, Wilburys. And um, done. Yeah, I mean it's really fun. <laughs> And and Carl is in that project with them. Okay. Uh, Carl would be an amazing person to bring on. He's super insightful. Writes some of the best music in Nashville, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, I would I would recommend him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tell him tell him I'm going to contact him. Okay, I will. Okay, I will right, for cool. sure. Thank All you right, so much tell, for having me. This was so so much ab- fun. And thank you, Ruben, for setting it up, bud. Ab- absolutely. Tell tell people where uh, they can find all the happenings of DL Rossi. Um, you can go to dlrossi.com, but probably where i'm on the most is instagram so dl rossi music okay um you can look me up on spotify apple music all the streams i'm even on title so perfect yeah okay as a reminder you can find all of our old episodes just go to records revisited uh you can find us on the socials as well i do most of my stuff on twitter at podcast records uh you can also find us on facebook at uh just look, search for Records Revisited Podcast. Wayne's on the Instagram. Where are we there? At Records Revisited Podcast. Different content there. If you like um, punk musings, um, that's where Wayne is. I saw I saw your punk musings about uh, Circle oh, Jerks. So. <laughs> yeah, I got on a L.A. hardcore kick last week. I was listening to Damage by a Black Flag after that la- okay. later last night. So. Oof. Yeah. You're in a dark yeah. place right now, my friend. All right. Uh, you can find us also on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And, of course, go subscribe and rate or review us. And, of course, don't forget, if you join our Patreon, you can get episodes early. If you contribute at the guest revisitor level, you can join us 
for an episode to talk about one of your favorite records, go to patreon.com slash records revisited podcast for all the details on that. And, um, our, the next one we're prepping for Wayne is one of our Patreon listeners pick gaslight anthem. And I'm too super excited for that one. So there we go. All right. So, um, thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Make sure, um, you support your favorites. If they're coming live in your area, just do it responsibly. Make sure you buy a t-shirt of the band, buy a record, visit a record store and not just on record store day. We are records revisited and we are out. out.